I hear it all the time. Guest after guest who comes on the podcast tells me the same thing. I fell into the industry. Except today's guest really did. No, I mean really. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 70 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. Today we continue our focus on the future of the industry as I'm joined by Rachel Lasavikas. Rachel explains how she fell into this work that she loves so much and talks about the importance of building relationships and understanding exactly what aspects of the job you want to focus on. I asked Rachel what she would change about emergency and crisis management, and her answer is amazing. The Resilient Journey is now ad-free, so be sure to give some love to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring this podcast. Let's jump right into my conversation with Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Start off by telling us a little bit about your background, um, and then, you know, something that maybe not everybody might know about you. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. So a little bit about me. Um, I started off my career in the military as a master at arms, which in the Navy is basically military police. Uh, after I transitioned, I worked in helping other veterans transition into the civilian world uh, until I found that I had this wonderful thing called a GI Bill and decided to go back to school and completely change my profession into what I actually love doing, which is uh, emergency management, incident response, crisis management. Um, something about me. So I am a super bookworm. However, on the flip side, I am also super outdoorsy and I love kayaking. I'm fortunate I live in Florida, so that's pretty easy to do. And uh, on New Year's Day this year, I went kayaking with manatees and it was great. So in Florida, uh, during the cold weather, which, you know, 60 degrees to us is pretty much freezing, um, <laughs> the manatees like to congregate around uh, warm waters. So there's a lot of power plants that have warm water by it. So I went kayaking there and uh, I found out that I startled very easily because a manatee decided to use my kayak to scratch its back. And I screamed so loud that there were people on the river that actually came to check to make sure I was okay. <laughs> it was fun. That's great. What a, what an interesting experience for sure. And you said that you used the GI Bill and, and thank you for your service, by by the way. And I really like your background as it ties into your current role. And so I do want to ask you something before we get to what I had identified as the next question. You said you used the GI Bill to get you into something that you truly love. How did you know you were going to be interested in and fall in love with emergency management? I had no idea. Uh, mm -hmm. This is actually one of my favorite stories. So I was working with veterans helping um, the what we called severely unemployed. Those had been unemployed for two years or greater. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved what I did. I, I truly did. But I felt that I was helping just one person at a time. And I felt like I could do more. So I decided to go back to school. I lived very close to a university, so I knew where I was going to go. I just didn't know what I was going to do. So mm -hmm. I sat down on the website one day and went through all the majors alphabetically. Like, what draws me? And it was sociology. I read it, and I'm like, this was literally made for me. It describes exactly what I love. So I'm like, okay, sociology, check. I have one step in my path of where I want to go. When I started the classes, I was like, all right, I really enjoy working with my community. I love my community. 
Uh, I love my neighbors. I love everything about the idea of community. So oddly enough, the next semester was a course in sociology called community. I'm like, okay, that that feels like a fit. So I took the class. (laughs) It, It was timely, we'll say. So the second book we read was one called A Paradise Built in Hell by Rebecca Solnit. And when I read it, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So the book discusses um, the communities that form after disasters. And what drew me and what made me really realize this is what I was meant to do is I've been in a lot of disasters. Sure. Uh, I was in the 1989 Loma Parada earthquake in California, the 93 floods in Missouri. I lived on an active volcano. I lived <laughs> in Florida in 2004 during the hurricanes. My house has been flooded. I have been in lots of them. And when I read the book and looked at my degree and what I was doing, it it became so clear that this is what I was meant to do. I love so that. I walked over to change my major. I kept my major, but I uh, added two minors, um, public safety management and civic leadership. And as I was walking between the courtyard to go change to my minors, um, they were having a public safety day. And in that public safety day was the campus emergency management tent. And I had to walk through the tent to get to the stairs to go get my minors. And I tripped over course and I fell into a table. Oh my gosh. I talked about emergency management. (laughs) And that's when I learned that this was a job that I could do. Like I knew I wanted to work in disasters and community, but I didn't even know emergency management existed until that moment. So I literally fell into the field. That is an amazing story. And I can see why it's one of your favorites. A lot of times people will say, oh, God, give me a sign. Well, how about a shove in the back right into the table that uh, you're you're meant to be in? That's very interesting. Thank you. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking um, with people who are newer uh, in the industry uh, about uh, their experiences. And you're a crisis manager now. And you've been doing that for just under a couple of years. So, and you work for an organization, frankly, that's that's pretty dynamic. So finish the the story there. How did you get from falling <laughs> on the emergency management table to landing a job in an organization like that? Um, I'm going to go with luck again. Hmm. So this position that I'm in now has been very dynamic. When I first began, it was really focused on um, integrating technologies into crisis management. So the emergency mass communication, the critical event management platforms, things like that. And I actually had a ton of experience with uh, previous roles in, in that field. So it was a really good fit. And then they also really liked my relationship building. So that has always been my biggest thing. The foundation of emergency management, crisis management, all of these things that we do is communication and relationship building. And those are two of my strengths. Um, I actually asked the hiring (laughs) group when I was done, why did you pick me? And they said it was your relationship building. You clearly enjoy working with others. And I do. So it happened to fit very well with what the role was then. As the role changed dynamically, uh, I'm really fortunate that my skill set is very much in line with where this position is going. So it's building those relationships cross-functionally, creating standardization, creating automation within what we do. Uh, I think so often we think we have to 
start from scratch on everything. And that's just mm-hmm. not necessary. If we can automate certain steps of the process, that just leaves us more available to respond better when the time comes. So I'm really fortunate in that my background and what I have learned through pretty unique role in my background has mm-hmm. positioned me really well for where this role is going in the organization. Yeah, I'm glad you called that out because relationship building is such an important, I'll call it a soft skill uh, in what we do. And for people like me, I'm basically more introverted, which means I don't necessarily have the emotional energy to do some of that stuff where it sounds like you really do. You thrive on that. Uh, And uh, that's an interesting sort of sub aspect of what we're talking about here. I'm really glad that you mentioned it. You also mentioned. Uh, I'm also introverted. So it is exhausting. Really? Right. It is. I love it. I love when teams come together. That's so interesting that you said that because a lot of times people think that introverts are unable to communicate or unable to build relationships. And that's not really true. We're able to do it. It's just, we just probably need a nap afterwards. Exactly. You talked a little bit about your background and I want to jump on the thing you did before your current role. And that's, you were a preparedness planner. So I'd like to know two things. First of all, what is that? And specifically, how did that role help you in this role? So a public health preparedness planner is generally a grant-funded position, a federally grant-funded position that is the nexus between emergency management and public health. So in our role, uh, we really feel like all disasters are only hazards until they affect people. Once people are affected, then we get into public health. So that's not just you know, the COVID stuff. We all think of COVID when we think public health now, but I was working in it well before COVID. And it's, you know, our sanitary systems, our water, you know, a lot of our critical infrastructure has to do with our public health system. So um, protecting the health of everyone is part of emergency management. Um, And again, it was really building those skills. It's one of those things that people don't realize exists until they need it, kind of like emergency management. So convincing people why you need to be there, creating the plans ahead of time before people know you even need them. Um, So again, a lot of the same foundational skills in emergency management, just with that addition of protecting health. It's interesting because when I hear preparedness, I I think of more uh, personal preparedness, but you're taking it really more towards the community level, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it was actually twofold. So in my role there, it was protecting the community, but in Florida, the Department of Health has a very unique role in that they're statutorily required to staff the special medical needs shelters uh, that open up during hurricanes or other uh, events. And so our staff were required to report to duty during hurricanes. And so I focused a lot on personal preparedness for our employees and my coworkers so that they were ready and able, so prepared to respond when, when necessary. That is really the transitional piece from your education, sociology, community, emergency management. Then you got to do it in practice. And then that also prepared you for the crisis manager role that you have. Uh, And I find that fascinating. So it would seem to me that it would be, quote, easier to get people's attention around things like that in Florida, where there are, you know... (laughs) 
annual hurricanes and things like that, as opposed to somewhere else where maybe they don't have some of the natural disasters? Did you find that? No. <laughs> one uh, one would think. Um, I know for two reasons. One, I, I think we're very, everyone thinks we're fortunate because we have hurricanes. It's what we consider a, a notice event. We know it's coming. Yeah. But that's that's almost worse because you know it's coming, but you don't know exactly where it's coming. And so you get a lot of people who are like, well, it didn't hit me last time. So it's not going to hit me this time. I hear the stories everywhere I go. Of, it will never happen here because, because the way the river runs through it, because, oh, they built a space station here. So they must have known that hurricanes would never come here. I hear the craziest stories about why it will never happen here. And then I also hear this, well, I'm not afraid of it. And I feel like our language of preparation really, and, and maybe the way the media presents it, that whole like, oh, be afraid of this thing really does a disservice in the preparedness because we're talking in the language of fear rather in the language of respect. I respect mother nature. If she's coming at me with a cat four hurricane and she's directly headed towards me, I'm going to respect her enough to get out of the way. Uh, comedian Ron Ron White put it really, really well when he said it doesn't matter that the wind is blowing. It matters what the wind is blowing. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, and then I think because we're so used to notice events that we do not do a great job at no notice events. We can do hurricanes great, but throw in some other stuff, throw in a tornado, um, which, you know, comes along with hurricanes or uh rise flooding depending on where you are um we're just not as good at those all right i'm interested in your view as a relative newcomer in the industry uh we've established the fact that you're hugely qualified to to be able to answer what i'm about that to to, to ask you <laughs> people well, you. listening to the podcast this is an audio only podcast you should have seen the look i just got <laughs> uh but no I, I i trust you to to answer this question so what do you see when you look at the industry? It could be emergency management, crisis management. Maybe you have a different perspective on either than what you were taught uh, in university or what is commonly accepted. So let me ask it a little bit differently. In other words, what would you do differently than what you've seen historically done? I would create criteria and requirements for people in this profession. Mm. I feel that so often it's the role of, and I'm going to say all of it, crisis management, emergency management, disaster, well, maybe not so much disaster recovery, but business continuity are either given to those who have done some sort of, I'm going to say like sister role in the past, something similar in the past, or it's a collateral duty. It's something, well, the person who did this, you know, who sat in the seat before did all these things as well. So here's the 10th hat we're going to give you. Um, and, and I feel that when we do that, we're taking away from the value of what we do for a living. The people who are generally sitting in those roles, this is not their job 99% of the time. But mm. the 1% of the time it is your job, it is really important. Wow. And so if we're not focusing on building the skill sets, the foundational skill sets that are required and making sure the people we're hiring or we're placing or appointing in these positions has those basic skill sets, 
then we're setting ourselves up for failure in that 1% of the time. And that 1% of the time is when we need it the most. Now, your current job is private sector. Yes. But your training and the preparedness planning work was public sector. Yes. Those two things are not necessarily aligned. Talk about the difference between public and private sector in this role and what your transition was like. Absolutely. So it's interesting. There are a lot more similarities and differences, to be fair. Because okay. again, I I really truly believe that emergency management, crisis management, business continuity, it's all about those foundational skills. So the ability to communicate well um, and clearly, building relationships, coordination, collaboration. Um, and, and those are the same regardless of who you work for or mm-hmm. what your job title is, because, you know, in, in these fields, there, there are a plethora of job titles. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's those basics, incident response, emergency management, crisis management, and business continuity. The biggest difference was really the language. Mm. So learning when I was trying to, sell what we're selling as, you know, emergency managers, crisis managers, business continuity. We we have a product that we're trying to sell and we're trying to convince people that they need it. Um, convincing people in the public sector was a little easier. There are grant funded positions. There's just this understanding that this is necessary. Um, that same thing exists in the private sector, but you're selling to a different customer. Uh-huh. That makes sense. So you're trying to sell it in the public sector to an other response agency about why it's important that we all work together as a team. You're trying mm. to sell it to the public, why you need to prepare to make our job easier because so many people think, you know, the government is here to save me, to replace right. my house after it floods, even if I don't have insurance, you know, it, it's our job to save them. And it's, our job to teach them, no, 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 <laughs> that's not what we do for a living. Right. You know, this is what we need you to do so that we're all successful versus in the private sector. What I'm, who I'm trying to sell it to is leadership and also to our employees who we're asking to do specific things to make us more protected. So it's just a different customer base, but it's still the same, same foundational skills. Um, really the language was different. So um, (laughs) the biggest difference for me in the public sector, you are supposed to spend all your budget by the end of fiscal year. So you always have a wish list of all the things you want to buy. And then when it's time, they're like, okay, spend, spend, spend. And it's awesome. And I love it. And I got very used to doing that. Sure. When I went to the private sector, it's like, no, 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 that is not how we operate. You spend your budget in quarter one. By quarter four, we're done. You're not spending any more money. Oh, it, it was just an interesting shift. Yeah. And um, so what we're saying is that the principles are the same. The language might be different. So let us let me talk about sort of response. So with your FEMA training, and a lot of times the, the education does focus on the public sector side, you probably took courses related to incident command, ICS, that whole approach. Oh, so many. Yeah. (laughs) You've heard of it. (laughs) When you get into the public sector, do you you utilize that same approach or how do you transition that? So I actually have a love-hate relationship with ICS. 
as we I, as we all do. Yeah. yeah. I love what it does for on scene incident response. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's great that it creates that common language, which is very important in response. We're not trying to figure out what the other person is saying. Past that, I feel that we've taken it to be the gospel of command and control structures mm-hmm. instead of recognizing that ICS was is a tool for a specific thing and that we need to learn to be flexible and adaptable to what we need. I find so often organizations try to implement ICS and make their structure fit the ICS structure yeah. instead of the other way around. So yeah. instead of looking at this is what we have, how can ICS make us better? It's, oh, we have to fit the square peg into a round hole. Um, I'm not a fan of that. So I feel that it has its place. There should be absolutely a familiarity. We should know the word. Um, but I'm not going to try to make a strike team out of my group. It, it just makes no sense for what we do. Um, I There are other models of command and control that I feel are neglected because we focus so much on ICS. And I think it would benefit all of us if we learned some of those additional models. And so we were able to keep the same language uh, without feeling that we have to fit what we do into a structure that doesn't work for what we do. One of the things that we do when we develop continuity programs, resilience programs, crisis management programs, is they need to be fit for purpose. The program has to fit the organization, not the other way around. And it's very similar to when you go buy some kind of a custom software solution. The software needs to meet the requirements of the organization. You don't change your process to fit the software. Absolutely. I am actually was demoing some software and there are, I have some favorites, of course. Uh, but when I was demoing for our organization, I had to remember that this might be my favorite in functionality and usage because I've used it, but it's not what fits for what we're doing here. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. I want to go back to a, a previous answer, something you said yeah. when I asked you what you would change about the industry. And you said that you would create criteria and requirements for those of us in the industry. My last episode my guest said that in the public sector, a master's degree in disaster and emergency management was a requirement for an entry-level position. We don't see that on the public sector side. Are you advocating for more controls around educational background in public sector or just, I don't mean to say just, but just more structure around what those requirements should look like? Uh, The second, more structure around. Um, I do not have a degree in emergency management or disasters. I'm a sociologist. Right. And I have found that that some of my favorite researchers in disasters, some of my favorite emergency managers, they didn't have a degree in emergency management. They had a degree in something else. It could be in communications. It could be in sociology, psychology, education. You know, there are so many fields that feed into what we do. But without that basic structure around the, we'll call them KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities that we have, anyone could be an emergency manager by name. So, or anyone could be an emergency manager and have a degree in emergency management, but not have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to accomplish it. 
So I truly believe in a balance between education and experience. You have to have both in this field. Um, but a master's degree for an entry level, I wouldn't be qualified. And that's very interesting. And I sense that you're very good at what you do. And I love what you said about establishing those requirements because it's what we do at the Resilience Think Tank. Uh, it's something that you're going to see more and more of coming from us, and that's adding influence to the industry. And if that's something we can do together, uh, we're all in. I, I want to kind of wrap this up here a little bit. We're, we're getting a little short on time, but you talked about the transition assistance work that you did. And so I'm going to ask you to apply those skills to this question. So let's say somebody is thinking about, maybe they don't get pushed into a table, <laughs> but they're thinking about uh, that they'd like to transition into this area. Maybe they do business continuity and the whole idea of emergency management or crisis management really, really interests them. So what advice would you give to someone who would like to get more into what we're talking about? So my advice is to... Um... <laughs> It sound really corny, but to know thyself. Hmm. It is really easy to say, I want to be in this field, but this field is huge. It's like saying, I want to be an engineer. Well, what kind of engineer? Mm -hmm. There are so many different things you can do in emergency management. And I've actually spoken with uh, quite a few students. Um, and I find the ones where I say, what do you want to do in emergency management? When they say, I don't know, I'm like, well, you need to take a step back and figure out what you're good at and what you really love doing. Mm -hmm. Because when you're working in an EOC or you know some other room for 16 hours on a disaster for two months, you better love what you do. Because that is not the time to find out that this is not what you want to be when you grow up. So know thyself, know what you enjoy doing. If you enjoy the tech side, if you enjoy the logistics, you know, if you enjoy the planning. I'm a planner. I love the planning aspect of what I do. There are other things I have to do, but I know what I'm good at and what I really love doing. So when I am exhausted and tired and everyone is stressed out around me, I know that I can do my job well because I could do it in my sleep. It is what I love doing and what I am good at. So learn what you enjoy doing. And you, the only way to learn is by doing. So joining Volunteer organizations that uh, that respond during disasters, going to your local EOC and asking if you can shadow for a day, getting on LinkedIn and looking up people and then seeing who their connections are and reaching out. Any way you can connect to the industry and learn more about it and then learn about yourself, the more likely you are to find your right fit in this field. I love that. You know, um, I enjoy being in the middle of a crisis. And Same. for people who don't enjoy that, that might sound sick, right? Yeah. That might sound messed up. However, I witnessed uh, a skateboarder getting hit by a vehicle a couple of years ago, and I was a complete mess. So to your point there, and I never really tied these two things together, to know thyself, to know what you're good at, but also know what you might struggle with and yes. uh, work to, to, to stay away from that. And the other thing that you did in your answer that I absolutely love is have the confidence and the ability to say, you know what, and I'm good at this. 
because you just did that. And and I really, really like that. So thank you for some really practical advice there uh, and really, really good insights. All right. I'll get you out of here on this. How can people connect with you to learn more about you? LinkedIn always. Yeah. That's where we found each other, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I have met some amazing people in this field. And what I love is that every time I've reached out to someone with one exception, they have been so gracious and so kind and, you know, offered to meet with me for 30 minutes, an hour, um, offered to help me with projects, uh, shared insight in what they do. You know, as emergency managers, we, uh, we do not believe in, you know, uh, inventing the wheel. (laughs) We, we learn from one another and, uh, share with one another. So I, I have found that it has been, just an amazing community that I have been able to connect with on LinkedIn. So I'm grateful. Yeah, I love it. that. Rachel, this has been really interesting. And like they said at the end of the movie, Casablanca, I have a feeling this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I'm so happy to have met you. And uh, thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. I want to thank Rachel for being my guest this week and sharing some really practical insights about emergency and crisis management and the industry in general. Remember to give a shout out to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the Resilient Journey. And next week, we're going to do a deep dive into operational resilience as Sarah Garrington comes back to the podcast. So join us, won't you, as we continue our Resilient Journey.